Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. One, John chapter number one. I'm going to break in at verse number 37, and I feel like that God is leading me to help our congregation with uh, some, some fundamentals, so to speak, of what it is to be a soul winner. Here we are at a new year. The old, old year is already behind us, and I just can't hardly believe that here we are in 2024. And uh, we've, we've changed in some ways as a congregation. Some have passed and left and gone to be with the Lord. And then we've got new people that are with us. And we do thank them for being here this morning. And not only that, we've got such a, a wonderful crop of young families coming along. Uh, and we're all in a busy, busy time in our lives. Uh, and I don't think I've ever been as busy as what I am. Shelly and I and our children, there's so many good things that are happening in our lives. But I don't ever want to get to the place where I forget, uh, number one, of who that I am. I'm a child of God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that you're saints. There's nothing wrong with looking over at the person sitting next to you and say, Good morning, St. Henry. Good morning uh, to the, saint, the sister saint <coughs> that sits next to you because we are saints <coughs> excuse me, of God and we have, uh, we have made an impression not only <coughs> on each other but in God's eyes we are somebody. And so we're saints this morning. But <coughs> we know who we are because we're saints, but do we know what our job is? <coughs> our job in leading the Lord. <clears throat> you pray for me. Just last Sunday, I stood and had a little bit of a tickle. Give me about five minutes. I'll work that out, and then I'll give you a good two hours. How about it? <clears throat> so this week, I was uh, doing some chores around the farm, and in the mornings, I, I keep my radio tuned to 104.3, and I encourage you to listen to it. Some of the greatest uh, uh, preachers that have ever graced our land will be on that uh, radio station, 104.3. It's a local station. Uh, and Charles Stanley was doing his broadcast, which was aired in 2005, I believe, when he preached this message. And it touched me in such a great way. God was already working in my heart, and it just seemed like God used some of the words that he said to, to further embolden me to try to give you what was in my heart already working. And only God can take the thoughts of another man and use them to develop the thoughts of somebody else where they're at in life. And that's the way God is. He was preaching on the highest calling of a, of a person in life is not to have money. It's not to have a great standing in the community. No, it's not even to have uh, a great home and all those things that we want out of life. But I'll tell you what, the greatest calling in a man's life is to lead someone else to Jesus Christ. And we're going to learn about that in these verses today. Before I read, I'm trusting that you have all read the book of St. John, especially the first chapter, a very powerful book in the New Testament. And John, we know, was writing of a first-hand account. In other words, you're not reading 
second-hand information. <coughs> this is first-hand information coming from John himself as he lived it, as he saw it, and as he witnessed it. Isn't that great to have this morning? Here we are in 2024, and we can take a copy of God's Word, and with confidence, we can look back over 2,000 years ago and read what actually happened. I don't know of another book that can tell you that than the Word of God. And John is writing about what he saw, what he felt, and what he experienced as Jesus was making his dawn on the brightness of his day as he's now entered into the second day of his earthly ministry. How do you know that, preacher? Well, you'll find it in the Word of God. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse number 37, let's break in and read together. What does the Bible say? And the two disciples heard him speak. Who? Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and they followed Jesus. I tell you, I've heard a lot of great speakers in my day. I think that I've heard some of the greatest Bible teachers in my day, and I've made it a point to try to listen to some of the great movers of men as they preach the Word of God. And I love to hear their thoughts as God has revealed great wells of wisdom to them as they preach the Word. But no man, I say no man ever taught or preached like Jesus did. And the Bible says plainly here that the two disciples heard him speak. Now, I want to say something this morning. When you hear Jesus speak, you had better listen. He's got something to say, and he's not like I am. Sometimes I get up, uh, Brother Henry, and I just kind of beat at the air, and I wonder if I'm doing any good or not. When Jesus spoke, his words were from another world. His, his, his word was from a, another world to give <laughs> to give the people of God. And the Bible said that they heard him speak. Now notice the next phrase in this verse. It says, and they followed Jesus. Can I say to every young child that's in this church this morning that's never made a profession of faith, you've never been saved, listen to me. You, when Jesus speaks, you better follow. When Jesus speaks to you, you better follow. And can I say something about this text today that I love uh, about what we're reading here this morning? If you take a few steps back and what we're reading from, you'll find that Jesus calls the first five disciples to follow him in this chapter. These men were by name, and you know them well. One of them doesn't give his name because he's the writer of the book. The one that we're going to read about here in these next few verses is a man by the name of Andrew. And I want you to know this before we go any further. Because you need to understand that any time in the Word of God when Andrew's name is mentioned, wherever Andrew is at, whatever he is doing, wherever he's working and laboring for the Lord in the Word of God, Andrew is bringing people to Christ. That was his sole objective, his highest calling of his life. And later on, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Nathaniel, all these great men of God which would become disciples of the Lord and many of them would go on to be apostles for the Lord Jesus Christ. These men had one goal and objective that was higher than any other thing that they did and that was to bring others to Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a question. And I've had to ask myself these questions before I ask you. When was the last time you led somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
When was the last time that the Holy Spirit put it into your heart to reach out to somebody and say, I'm thinking about you and praying for you. Where do you stand with God? In fact, the Bible tells us, He that winneth souls is wise. And I want to show you the wisdom of God's Word here in these next few verses of what Jesus does as He's leading Andrew and John, these first two converts in Jesus' ministry, to come and follow Jesus. Before I say anything else, I just want to brag on the Savior for just a minute. I've never regretted getting saved. Never. Being saved is the best thing that ever happened to me. When I think about the goodness of God, how He steered me through the pitfalls and snares of life, how that He brought me to where I stand before you today, a man with not much knowledge up here, but I got a new suit on. How you like that? I got a new suit for Christmas, and I hope uh, some of you will uh, see the picture that Cheryl is going to share with you after service that I took. I got a little gray dog at home, and he's the color of this suit, and you can't even hardly tell us apart when we're standing side by side. I'd like to bring him to church someday, but he'd offend some of you. Uh, some, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but sometimes we'll sit together and we'll howl. And I'll get him to howl out loud, and I say he's praying. And I call him Minister Woody, because let me ask you something. You put your wife and your dog in the back of a trunk on a hot day for 15 minutes, and see who loves you more when that trunk comes open. But I ain't, I ain't always been right. But God has always been good to me because of this great salvation that He has given us as it, it's just being a child of God. And I love Him today and I want to brag on Him. He's worth following. He's worth telling others about. He's worth living for. Why? Because He saves us from our sins. And the Bible says in verse number 38, now they're following verse number 38, and Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, what seek you? Can I show you something about the New Testament in the book of John? Do you know that these three words that are written in red are the first words that Jesus say in all of the New Testament? The first words that come from the lips of Jesus Christ are a question and he says, what seek you? In other words, he turns to Andrew, he turns to John. They're following from a distance. They just left John the Baptist, and now they've heard Jesus speak, and they're following. Can I say these men were wise? They heard somebody speak like they'd never heard speak before. They felt something when he spoke. And listen, friend, if when you come to church, I preach or any other pre preacher preaches, and you can't feel something in the message, something's missing somewhere, either in the preacher or in you. And I... Uh, listen, friend, I don't want to lead you wrong or steer you astray. And when I get up and preach, I want to preach the pure, unadulterated Word of God to you. Uh, but listen, when I preach, I don't want you to see me, bless your heart. I want you to see Him. I want you to feel Him and experience what I've experienced in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, what seek you? What a question to ask. Who are we seeking after all? And i got another question to ask. When did Andrew... And John gets saved. 
Now, their conversion was a little bit different than what we experienced. They were saved, nonetheless. When did it take place in these verses? I'll tell you, when they heard Jesus speak, they, they began to follow, and I believe why that they got their feet up to move, and their heart was stirring, and there they said, there's the man that I want to follow, and they believed on Jesus Christ. We don't see where they ever got on their knees. We don't read where they ever got down uh, and listened and prayed the sinner's prayer. All that they knew is that Jesus Jesus was worth following and they began to follow at a distance and Jesus turns around and he says who are you seeking after now watch the dialogue in these next few verses read along with me they said unto him rabbi I believe right there is where they got saved when they said rabbi and that means a teacher sent from God they were giving him the highest accolade that they could give to any man in their vocabulary they said rabbi which is to say or being interpreted master you're a great teacher you're a, a you're the son of God and they asked a question and this is where the going gets good this is where the going uh, begins to separate the the true believer from the non-believer they began to ask a question back to Jesus where do you dwell at in other words can we go with you there's nobody ever going to be saved until they're willing to forsake all and follow him. You can't. You can't have it any other way. Jesus says, come and see. In this next verse, they, we read where that Andrew and John begin their new journey following the Jesus in, uh, into his own personal house. Wouldn't it have been something to go to Jesus' house where that Jesus lived? There Joseph, his caretaker, not his father, his mother, and no doubt his own siblings, and Jesus uh, there with all of his family, and he'd already been doing mighty works. He'd already been out on, the, uh, out on the river of Jordan there to hear John the Baptist preached. And if you remember, John baptizing Jesus uh, just a few words or paragraphs further than where we're at this morning in our text. And then not only that, there was that, that moment or that week period of almost six weeks of temptation in the wilderness where Jesus separated himself. And Jesus, no doubt, talking about that and what he was feeling, what he had experienced at the end of that. And I tell you, Jesus is a man worth following. I'd forsake everything this morning and I'd follow him if I was unsaved. I'd forget what everybody thought about me. If I was a little child and I was afraid to get up and come to this altar and pray this morning, I'd put that fear away from me, and I'd come, and I'd get on my knees before the Lord, and I'd say, Lord, just help me. And I promise everybody here today, the Lord has never turned anyone away. And he says, where do you dwell at? And they go to where Jesus lives, and, and he's with them. And I wonder about how much space of time takes place in between this next verse. Uh, but uh, really between verse number 39 and 40, I want to jump back to verse number 39. As he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. I want to ask you something. If you were John, writing in the first chapter of the book of John, and you had the privilege to be an eyewitness eye of Jesus being baptized, you had the privilege of writing these things down, and you were so keen and into what was going on, could you remember that it was at the tenth hour that all these things took place? I tell you, I forgot a lot of things in my life. A lot of things I wished I could forget. Like this suit that I'm wearing. A lot of things I wished I could forget. But I can never forget that day. 
when I got down on bended knee and called out to a thrice holy God for him to save me. And I could take you to the spot, and if I could get right back where it was at, I could show you exactly where I got saved at. I could tell you what I was thinking. I could tell you how I was feeling. I could take you back to every emotion that I was feeling then. When the, when the sorrow became joy, when the peace of God moved in, and I became a child of the living God, and it was not through any works of my own. I, I was, I'm saved just like you are saved by grace, through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, and I pray. And when I said, Lord, I believe, that's when salvation took hold in my heart. And that's all it's going to take for you and anybody else. In Jesus' now, and I'm going to get to the heart of the message. Can you believe that? Here I've been here this whole time and hadn't even gotten to the heart of the message. All right, let's go to verse number 40. And I want to show you, show you what's taking place in the dialogue of this chapter. This is where... I want you to put yourself at the position of being a soul winner for the kingdom of God. Let's read verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. And I notice this, this is strategic, put in here by the Holy Spirit, Simon Peter's brother. Simon Peter, we all know to be the great man of God that was going to be the one to preach that great message on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 souls were saved. Boy, he was a preacher. And I want to show you something. What if Andrew had not done what he was supposed to do? How important it is for every person to be in his or her place in the service of the Lord and serving God. Let's read on. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now notice, this is where I'm going to end at, at verse 41. And he findeth his own brother, Simon, speaking of Simon Peter, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Do you imagine going to your own brother, who, by the way, were, they were business partners, his fishermen, uh, the sons of Zebedee, and, their, and his sons were business partners, and these men had been fishermen by trade. And Andrew, the younger, no doubt, of, of Simon Peter, comes up and says, We found the Messiah. Let me tell you about him. And the very first person that he goes to win as a convert is not a neighbor. It's not a co-worker. It's his own flesh and blood. And if we can't have a heart for our own people, what kind of Christian are we? And Andrew goes to him and he says, we have found the Messiah. And he, he physically brings his own brother back, uh, back to see Jesus where Jesus is at. And as Jesus is speaking, the Lord says the words. And somewhere in the mix of all of this, Simon Peter becomes Peter uh, or, or Cephas, thou on the rock. They're talking about him being a rock. Not that he was the rock in place of Jesus, but he's saying that you're, you're like a rock for me. And Simon Peter got saved. You ever wonder about the conversions of the disciples? Well, here it is. He got saved, and here, going to be a, a mover and shaker for God. He's going to go on and write the book of First and Second Peter. Uh, and Andrew, Andrew really starts to, uh, not that he's away from the things of God, but he's never known in the Word of God for being a great preacher. He's never known for, for doing but one thing, and that is to bring people to Jesus Christ. And I, I want that to be my life's work. 
I love to try to preach. I just want to share with you for just a minute. Uh, I don't have much free time, so to speak, like a lot of people do, of going out and, 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 you know, going and doing big things. I spend time with my family. I go to the chicken house. I visit, I study, I pray, and that is, in essence, my life, except when rabbit season rolls around. I go rabbit hunting with Zach Cook. Funnest thing I've ever done in my whole life. That's my life. And every single day, you and I come across somebody who just needs an encouraging word to come to church. Every single day, we come across somebody that just needs a word from us that shows them that they're needed, that they're loved, and that they too can be saved and experience what you've experienced. I will admit, sometimes family is the hardest people to witness to. Jesus said that a prophet is not without honor, saving his own country. And that's the way it is when you witness to your own family. It can be tough and difficult at times. But I want you to know and I want my family to know there's nobody worth following but Jesus. And when I said a while ago that the highest calling of a man or a woman is not making money, it's not about trying to have the finest home, it's trying to let your light so shine before men that they see Christ in you. Think about the difference that a soul winner makes. What if? Let's do some what if thinking for just a minute. What if I'd never sat in my Sunday school class as a little boy with my... Y'all remember how they used to put the, the boards up with fabric on it and they would put the, the fabric people up there and they would teach a lesson that way? I began to learn at those stages of my life about Jonah and the whale. Zacchaeus and this little man who was little of stature but big of heart that got saved in the sycamore tree. I would learn the stories about uh, the, the old saints of old, and I would sit and listen. You know who taught me a lot of those lessons when I was a boy? It was Shelly's mother, my Sunday school teacher. She'd pray over our class, and she'd look at, look at us eyeball to eyeball and tell us how important it is to get saved and be saved. And I'd take an open Bible, and I'd read together from the Word of God. And you know what was taking place at that time? My heart was getting sensitive in in the things of God and I was listening with my ears but there was something else listening on the inside I would learn the word of God and then we would dismiss from Sunday school and they'd bring us up to church we'd sit together no there was no children's church there was nobody separating us and taking us away and by the way it is still mama's and daddy's responsibility to make sure that the heart of the child is in a position that they can hear sense and feel that God is leading that child And it is your job to make sure that they sit in church. Let them be a part of what we're doing. Let them sing in the choir. Let them be a part of Sunday school. Let them come and do what you do and experience what you've experienced. Several years ago, somebody came to me and said, we need to have a nursery. And I asked them a question. I'm not against nurseries if that's what you want to do. There's a Sunday school class downstairs. Go sit in it. Listen, were you raised in a nursery? I tell you, the problem's not with the kids. The problem is that parents are not doing their job as being a parent. Many be the times my dad took me out and beat the devil out of me. I didn't get an amen right there. But it's the truth. 
And if you'll make church something great in that child's life and make church be the greatest thing that they can experience throughout the week and through the week build church up in their mind, build church up in their heart and let them know that we've come to the house of God and tell them that we're here to hear from Jesus Christ. And listen, friend, when you do that, God will do His part without fail every time. And then when you're at the workplace, at school, wherever you're at, listen, you build up Jesus Christ in your living. You let them see that you're you're a child of God and never be ashamed that you're a Christian and show them that you're a child of God. What, what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? As he was making his exit on that cloud, he said, Go ye therefore into all the world, teaching all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, and there shall be power come on you. Uh, listen, friend, the reason, uh, the reason why many of us feel powerless is because, number one, we're not in tune with God. We're not in tune with the Word of God. Some of you are fearful to witness. Uh, listen, friend, if you could ever get over that fear of witnessing to somebody, the power of God will come on you. Can I say this this morning? Hands down. The most favorite thing that I do in all the world, and I love God, and I want to say this for His glory, hands down the most fun thing that I ever do, the most grand thing that I live for is that when it comes time for somebody to get saved is to lead them to Jesus Christ. I love it. I love when a little child comes down and they, they, they're, in, they're in tears. They've got the Holy Spirit working in their heart and they know it, but they don't know how to get saved. Brother Henry, you know what I do every single time? I don't pray a prayer uh, over them and say, now you're saved. Nope. I begin to beat, to beat the bushes back and build Jesus up in their eyes and say, just look to him. Get to Jesus Christ. And I begin to talk about how that Jesus is so big and if they could just see him, feel him, experience him, they, can, they too can be saved. And listen, friend, without fail, they will get saved. And I want to tell you, young child, that this may be your day. This could be your time. This Sunday could be your Sunday to come down and be saved this morning. And if you ever get saved, it'll be by and through Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Andrew leads his own brother. Simon Peter, to the Savior with the word, says, We found the Messiah. And there's five disciples by name in this chapter that are coming to Jesus Christ. And the last one that is mentioned in this chapter is Nathaniel, who is a, a student of the Old Testament prophecies of God's word, but unsaved. And the Lord, but I hope you'll go home and finish reading. I don't have time to finish everything that's in it. But he goes home. To study the word of God but he sees Jesus and Jesus tells him everything that's missing in his life and things that only Christ could know he begins to tell Nathaniel about and there Nathaniel becomes a believer and gets saved I like to say to the church this morning how much I love what we stand for and what we represent but if there's one thing I'd like to say that I want to work on I love our choir listen our choir's an amazing group you sing wonderful, and I love you, and I appreciate all that you do in singing. We need to work on worship, don't we? But we'll worship a lot better when we brought somebody to Jesus Christ. We'll worship when we've invested in somebody else's life. And we see that the trouble that they're in. And I want to ask you a personal question, really. When was the last time that you saw somebody with a need 
and you went to that individual and tried to show them the love of Christ, I will guarantee you that before this service is over, you can probably think of five to ten people that you know of that you're close to that you've not reached out to them and said, man, I'd love for you to come to church with me. I'd love for you to come and be a part of what God's doing in my heart and, and just simple as that, begin a conversation and, and talk to them. Why, even just this week, I shared it with our Wednesday night crowd. Listen to me. I know our kids are getting restless. I know our kids are getting restless. Listen, just this week, knowing what was in my heart, I was preparing for today. I'd gotten on, on, uh, well, on the farm and I was finished and usually throughout the, the morning of my prayer time I, I finish my chores and I do a little praying. And there I've got my Bible and I'm reading and I'm praying for, for this service today. I said, God, I want you to help me to be a soul winner for you. Send me somebody today that I can talk to them about Jesus Christ. And you know what God did? Within 15 minutes of me praying that prayer, there was somebody standing at the end of my driveway. At the end of my driveway, somebody's standing there in trouble, needing help. Almost froze to death because it was 20 degrees that morning. And there this young lady stands, and I don't hardly ever pick anybody up. But I picked up this girl because she was freezing. And there I called Debbie. And then Patricia, some other ladies of our church, and brought her to the church, witnessed to her and talked to her about her soul. And then by the time Debbie got through with her uh, and Patricia, we'd been able to make a plan to find this girl some help. I'm going to tell you what, that's right here in our own community. So easy. So easy to do. I may say, well, I'm afraid. Get over your fear. Pray that God will help you to go, get over your fear and lead somebody to Jesus Christ. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North